2 Kings 7, verse 3. Whether you have your Bibles or not, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. We always say, if you have your Bibles, this is where we're going, but we're going there anyway. So many things preachers say that don't make sense. another, why sit we here until we die? How many of you, that's your favorite verse? <laughs> well, let's pray again before we go. Let God would speak to us today through his word. Jesus, hallelujah, we thank you of your spirit that's here. I would thank you for your word today. God, I pray that you would speak to us through it. God, I pray that you would challenge us to go forward in faith with you. In Jesus' name, let your will be done, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Um, this, is, uh, this story is one of those wild ones in the Bible. The background of the story is insane. Um, it's one of those, those stories that they don't make it into the movies. There's no, like, children's movie of this story. And um, we do, like, handouts for the kids, and I could not find one blessed thing about this story. I had to make them all up myself. Um, there's no cute Sunday school lessons about this one. Much like my, my boy Ehud, or uh, the, sons, <laughs> the sons of Jacob, Simeon, and Levi when they attacked the Hivites. I don't know if you know that story. That one's nuts as well. Um, not one that's preached from a lot. But uh, th at this time in history, um, when the story takes place, the best, uh, as best I can make it out, Israel as a kingdom has been divided. We, you know, most of us are familiar with that. Um, you've got the southern kingdom, which they call Judah, and uh, the capital city of that being Jerusalem. And then you have the northern kingdom, which was just called Israel, with a capital city at the time of the story being Samaria. And so sometimes the northern kingdom of Israel, in order to differentiate between the northern kingdom and the whole kingdom, um, sometimes they would call it the kingdom of Samaria because of the capital city. And later, uh, the people from this area, they're so mixed up with all the other nations and stuff like that, um, they've kind of become their own sort of identity. So by the time we get to the New Testament, they're called just Samaritans because they're so um, intertwined with all the other nations. Um, but in this story, when the Bible mentions Samaria, that's what it's referring to. The kingdom and city of Samaria and the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, so uh, we're going to go back to 2 Kings 6 and 24. And it says, And it came to pass after this, um, the Assyrians had uh, attacked Israel, and then they kind of backed off, and a new king came on the scene. So af after this, then Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. I forgot to tell you my title. Forward in faith. Okay. And so Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, uh, he gathers his army, 
And he goes up and besieges um, Samaria. Syria, Samaria. Don't get them mixed up. I might. He surrounds them and he cuts off all the supplies to the city. And this is how old-time war guys did things. You can read through history. Um, Genghis Khan did this a lot. Uh, all you got to do is take over a couple places, totally destroy them, and then everyone's like, yeah, we don't want that to happen. And they surrender. Or you cut off their supplies until they surrender. So this is what these guys are doing. Um, you know, attacking a city is a lot of work. You know, you might lose some of your army. Who wants to do that? You might lose some men. You know, these are good guys. You don't want to lose them. So it's better for everyone involved if the city that you want to attack or take over just surrenders. So what they would do is they would try to get a city to surrender um, to avoid any casualties on their own part. And so um, they, they surround the city and they cut off its supply of food and water until the people have had enough and they surrender or they would just die or they'd be so weak. There, there's not much of a fight there anyway. So what is hap that, that's what's happening here is this King Ben-Hadad, he's doing this and it goes on for so long. He's um, surrounded the city, he's cut off all their supplies for so long. Samaria is too stubborn to surrender and they're kind of too weak to fight. And so it just drags on and on and on. And the next verse puts it like this. I'm going to read it in the New Living. It says, as a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung, young, sold for five pieces of silver. So people were so desperate for food that they were eating donkey's heads and dove's dung and all kinds of stuff that we would normally wouldn't eat. And not only that, but they were paying good money for it. 80 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for what? 30. That's insane. Judah, you know, uh, so I'm not going to read this part, but things get so bad later in this chapter, the people are led into cannibalism, and then the king hears about it, and he gets so distraught, and he tears his clothes, because that's what they would do, and he says, it's all Elisha's fault. You remember Elisha from last week? It's all the prophet's fault, because uh, you know, he's the main prophet now, and, and you know everything's always the preacher's fault. <laughs> Right? So he sends people to kill Elisha because it's obviously his fault. And so the guy who was sent to kill Elisha shows up and Elisha prophesies to him that by this time tomorrow, a sea of flour, which is 31 cups or 8.5 pounds, I've done some research for you because nobody knows what these mean, will be sold for one shekel or two seas of barley or 17 pounds of barley for the same price. Right? This is, this is all the backstory. Before we get to our actual story. So Elisha declares something. He prophesies that something is going to happen. The man of God speaks the word of God that by this time tomorrow, this very specific thing is going to happen. And it's all going to be okay. So the word's gone forth. The prophecy has been made. Meanwhile, in another place outside of the city, outside of the Syrian army's camp, there are four guys lepers. Um, because of the law, because of the fact that these men have leprosy, they're unable to live in the city, um, so they don't want to infect everyone, so they have to live outside the city, and they've been outcast by their families, by society, and all this stuff, right? You know, you know how it was for lepers, we've talked about them before. 
They had to stay away from people. Whenever someone came near, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, so no one would come near them. And if anyone, you know, if anyone became close, they had to warn them. And, and if, um, if these four men were anything like us, uh, they probably weren't too happy about it, right? They, we, you know, we had to stay six feet apart from people, and a lot of us were losing our minds. And these guys couldn't get anywhere. And they had, as soon as they saw someone, they had to shell unclean. And no one could come near them. They didn't get hugs from their family for the rest of their lives. They never saw people. They never got conversations. They didn't have technology to, to Skype and call people on the phone. They were just completely cut off. Never saw their family again. Never got to work that job or trade again that they loved to do. They were just outcasts and, and broken down. But yet... God has put these four men in this place for such a time as this. As you see, sometimes the things we go through and the things that put us in very specific situations and the things we may grumble and complain about and maybe a little upset about and maybe don't quite understand why these things are happening, they may even break us down sometimes. These situations, we may be there because God has something coming for us to do. Maybe God has us there to use it. Maybe God has us there to minister to someone else. And maybe he's put us there to teach us something. But if we just sit and grumble and complain, we may miss the opportunity to step into what it is that God has for us. And if you believe the Bible, if you're following him, he has you right where you need to be. Maybe not right where you want to be, which is often the case, but right where you need to be. Proverbs 3 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and what? He shall direct thy paths. Or direct thy, I don't know why I always say direct. Direct thy paths. Right? So if you believe this, if you are trusting in him with all of your heart, if you are relying on him, if you are acknowledging um, him in everything you do, if you're living for him, Jesus is directing your paths. Right? He's leading you. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. You can't fish if you don't go where the fish are. So sometimes he leads us to places that we need to be to affect change somewhere else. Sometimes Jesus leads us to these places to show us something or to use us in these situations. And so these four lepers, they, were, they had probably cursed the day that they were born. You know, they probably wondering, why me? Why did I get this horrific disease? Why am I the one that's cut off from my family? Why has this happened to me, right? Because if you remember at this time, they believed that if anyone got sick like this, then they were being judged by God. If anyone died unexpectedly, it's because God was judging them. We've talked about this before, right? So they probably endured this, the thoughts, the... The condemnation from others, all of the all the things that go along with this, being cut off and all of that. But the fact of the matter is that God had these four guys right where he needed them to be, and he was going to use them to do something incredible. So the lack of traffic in and out of the city has hindered the lepers on the outskirts too. Because they most likely they would have had to beg for food because you can't do any trades and work for someone without being close to them. You're not going to the leprous blacksmith to get your stuff done. He's not coming over to your house to build you things. Or you're, not, you're definitely not buying fish from him. So these guys would have had to beg and someone would have felt sorry for them. 
you know, left money for them somehow or whatever. That's what they would have had to do. And so nobody's coming in there to the city trading and anything because it's all cut off. So these guys, they're, they're starving as well. They're cut off as well from the food. And this is where we pick up our story. Their opening text, 2 Kings 7 and 3. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. They said one to another, why sit we here until we die? And so these guys get fed up. And um, they say, why, why are we going to sit here until we die? We are starving. We're not the healthiest guys. We've got some stuff. But we're starving and we can't live like this anymore. And something happens in them. Of all the people in this city, of the king, and all, like, they're not doing anything. But these four guys, they just get fed up. And they say, we can't stay here any longer. They get desperate. And something happens, or something that happens spiritually when the people of God, for lack of better words, get fed up. There's something that happens spiritually when the children of God get a little bit desperate. Why stay here until we die? Why stay in the same place? Why keep the status quo? Why, uh, why keep doing the same thing? We're going to die spiritually unless something changes. And the same thing can be said of churches. Why do we stay in the same place until we fade away and die? What, why do we keep doing the same thing over and over and nothing happens or changes? Why do we keep the status quo and die? Unless something happens, this will be no more. And so we we need to get to a place like these four lepers and we're just I, I can't stay in the same place I'm a little frustrated I'm a little tired of the way things are I can't stay like this or it's gonna it's gonna die we need more prayer we need more moves of the spirit we need the gifts of the spirit to operate in our services and our lives we need the Holy Ghost to be poured out we need the glory of God we need the fruit of the spirit in our lives we need holiness and consecration and worship and intercession and the word these are the things that we need and without these things we will die spiritually without these things in our lives and in our churches we will die, but until someone gets fed up and, and, and pushes a little bit further, it's going to be the same. No doubt everyone in this city, I mean, they're eating heads of donkeys and worse. Like, that was the, probably the best of the best that you could get. Like, they're all fed up, but none of them are doing anything. They're all disgruntled, they're all upset, they're all heartbroken, they're all frustrated, but none of them do anything about it. Until someone gets a little frustrated, I guess, enough to push a little bit further, it'll be the same. No one person can do all of the things. God designed the church to work together, and very rarely does one person, for example, move and work in every gift of the Spirit. It takes a group, it takes all of us. Do it. So one person isn't going to be. <laughs> one person can't do everything. Amen. There's four lepers. They all worked together. They all went together. They moved together. God honored it and God used it. So we, it's good if one of us gets a little frustrated and pushes further, but we're going to need more than one. Wonderful. Did you see that's where I was going? Verse four. It says, if we say, so these are the lepers still talking. If we say, we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we, will, we shall die there. 
And if we sit here still, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. That's a great outlook. So these four lepers come up with a crazy idea. They say, we stay here, we're going to die. We got to go somewhere. We don't have a lot of options to go anywhere because of who we are and what we have. We don't have a lot of you know, transportation. We don't have a lot of ways to get places. We have, we have to go somewhere. We have to go forward some way or we will die. If we go to the city, the famine's there. We're no better off. But if we stay here, the famine's here. Um, we're no better off. So, but the Syrians and this army, the enemy, they have the stuff. They have some food. And then maybe if we go to them, they'll save us or at least not kill us. I mean, they might kill us, but we're going to die anyway. So uh, let's, let's do this. So these guys are in a tough spot. Go, die, stay, die. Go somewhere else, probably die. Not a lot of options, right? I don't know if any of us have ever been in that sort of situation. That's pretty rough. It's a bit of a mess. Um, maybe we've felt like that before. If I go here, it's not going to work. If I stay, it's the same. It's not going to work. Um, and so they decide that even though this may end in a violent death, they're going to go to the Syrian army and hope for the best. And this, my friends, even though it may not seem like it, is a step of faith. It's not, you know, what we would normally think of a step of faith. Um, it's the same kind of faith that Thomas had when the Jews wanted to kill Jesus. And Jesus was planning to go to Bethany to see Mary and Martha. And all the other disciples were like, ah, we shouldn't go. And Thomas was like, if he's going and he's going to die, I'm going with him. Which doesn't seem like faith, but he's willing to go. Because when we think of faith, we get all the, we think of the tingly feelings and the laying a hand on someone and shaking them back and forth and falling out and all that stuff, right? <laughs> Arms growing back, all kinds of wild things. <laughs> Seeing all these amazing things happen, we don't see faith as sometimes just taking a little step in an unknown direction. But if we are following Proverbs 3, he's directing our paths. And paths are meant to be walked. And sometimes faith is just taking that step. Psalm uh, 37 and 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So when we delight in the Lord's way, he's ordering our steps. And I'm going to, your mind-blowing revelation, we're going to have one every week. In order to have your steps ordered, you ready? You need to take those steps. <laughs> In order to have our steps ordered, we need to be willing to walk. God can't order our steps if we're just standing still. I know, everyone's, I can see all the, oh, the light's coming on. <sighs> We need to be willing to go forward in faith. And yes, there is a time to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There's a time to be still and know that he's a God. But there's a time to move forward in faith. Even if it looks like it's not going to work out. Especially if it looks like it's not going to work out. Why? Because Hebrews 
11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The very definition of faith is not being able to see what is going to happen. That's why we say things like a leap of faith or a step of faith because you don't know what's going to happen. It's trusting God that he will take care of it and that he will work it out. It's taking that step. It's pushing a little bit. It's allowing him to use you maybe in a new way or opening ourselves to him in a way we never have before. It's letting him work through us. It's praying that prayer that you normally wouldn't have prayed. It's sharing that word. It's sharing your testimony with someone that you're not sure how they're going to receive it. That's faith. James 2 and 17 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So we can say that we are believers all we want. We can say anything we want to say. That's your right. We're in Canada and we're so allowed to do that. But if we aren't willing to do something about it, then our faith is dead. You can say, I trust God and I'm following God. But if you're not walking, you're fooling yourself. If you're not willing to take that step, if you're not willing to start walking and start that journey, well, that's not much faith, is it? We need to be willing to go forward in faith. So now, the, back to the Old Testament, these four lepers, they didn't have much in the way of options. And sometimes it's like that. <laughs> but it still took a bit of faith to go face the Syrian army knowing that it's probably not going to go very well. I remember when we first said we were going to go to Africa, we wanted to go somewhere else. I always wanted to go to France. I love France. The food, I like, oh my word. Have you ever had a fresh baguette at a French bakery? It is the greatest thing in the world. And cheese is almost free. It's, it's wonderful. I always wanted to go there. We went on a couple. I've been there a couple trips. I love it, everything. And we tried to go there for years uh, for missions. And the, the door, they just kept shutting the door in our face. And they lead us on. They say, you know, you do this, you can go and do that, and we'll let you go. And we would do these things. They were like, actually, nah, no, you're no, still can't. And it was just on and on and on. It was frustrating and. And so it was, the only door that opened was the African door. <laughs> and so we went, and we took that step of faith. We had no sweet clue what to expect. People can try to prepare you. You can watch videos. You can look at pictures. But it's a whole other world. I know you're not going to understand it because you haven't been there. But it's a whole other world. Like, everything's different. The roads are different. The signs are different. Even like the fonts on things. Everything is different. The people, the culture, the trees are different. The animals are obviously different. The cars are crazy. Most of them would be illegal here. It's different. People drive wherever they feel like it. There's trucks coming at us on the wrong side, like transport trucks. Wild. The language is different. The food and everything. Anything, just look around. None of this is here, there. The, the, there's no carpet. They don't insulate the walls like we do. They don't got drywall. Nothing. It's just all, everything, everything you see is completely different. Even windows, they don't have bars on them, so you can't break in. Everything's different. It's completely, we weren't prepared for it. It was a huge step of faith. And, and, and one at the time felt like it was the only one available. And so we were kind of like the lepers. 
Well, we're gonna go. Let's go. We said it's only for the summer, so we hated. It's only for the summer, and we went. We didn't have a. We didn't have the money to go. We didn't have the language, and everyone's like, "How are you gonna do this? You're gonna take the kids. Don't be crazy." I don't know. We, we were just we're going. And God took care of it, and we went, and we had a grand old time, and that summer we saw 35-plus receive the Holy Ghost, and personally helped baptize 31 or so, I don't know, I lost count, one day, one day it was like 20-something at a time, it was wild, I was the only um, non-African crazy enough to get into the water, I was like, well, we're going to die, we're going to die, this is a good place to do it. <laughs> I didn't think of snakes or anything. I didn't realize they could swim, but I made it out. But it happened because we were willing to go forward and face. And back again to the Old Testament, um, the lepers. Verse five says, "And they rose up at the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. So they rise up. They rise up during the twilight and they head towards the Syrians' camp. And when they when we get there, the Bible says, Behold, no man was there. The entire camp was deserted. Why? What happened? Four lepers took uh, a step of faith. Four lepers took a step of faith in accordance to the word that the man of God, Elisha, had spoken. Now, they didn't know that there was a prophecy. They weren't there when Elisha said that. They didn't know, but they responded to it. There was a missionary in Ireland, and he lived in the, the States, I think Florida or something like that. And uh, he worked construction, and just a guy in the church working, um, doing his, his thing. And um, before he became a missionary, and he would spend his lunch breaks in his truck praying and reading his Bible. And some of the guys noticed, and one of these guys that he worked with was from Ireland. And they became friends, and I think he taught him a Bible study or something like that. And anyway, what happened was this guy from Ireland invited him to come over with him to Ireland and um, teach a Bible study to some people he had there, I guess. And when he got there, there was a group of people waiting to be baptized in Jesus' name. They saw it in the Bible, and they had a pro someone prophesied that someone was going to come and show them what to do. And someone would lead them in the truth and teach them what to do. And then this guy showed up and he baptized all of them. And then now he's a missionary there, obviously, because how do you not? <laughs> and that's how, that's how kind of how this happened. Elisha prophesied that was something that was going to happen. These men, they didn't know. They didn't have no idea what was going on. And God used them to fulfill it. And there's been prophecies given about... Maybe this church or this district or this country, things that are going to happen. Maybe you don't even know what they were or what they are or who said them. But someone is going to take that step of faith and fulfill it. Because that's how God works. Verse 6 to 8 says, or 6 to 7 says, For the Lord hath made the host of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come after us, or come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and left their horses and their donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. So as the four lepers are walking, 
probably scared out of their minds, taking these steps towards the Syrian army. God makes it sound to the Syrians like they're chariots. Like there's this massive army coming. They're like, ah, Israel's got the Hittites and the Egyptians and they're going to ambush us and they're going to, you know, the, Israel's going to get us from this side and they're going to get us from this side. We're done. It's over. Go. Because remember, these guys, they weren't really prepared for battle. They were just doing the whole cut off the supplies trick. They didn't really want to fight. If they wanted a battle, they would have already attacked Samaria. Instead, they were trying to cut them off and starve them. They weren't really prepared for a battle. And as a side note, isn't that just like the enemy? Because the enemy doesn't really want to fight you. I know we all say he's all fighting us, but a lot of that is our own foolish decisions. The enemy doesn't really want to fight you because you have God on your side and he knows that he can't win. So instead, he tries to cut you off and, from the things that you need to survive. But once you rise up and once you start walking in faith, you say, I got to get out of here. Instead, he tries to distract you from praying and discourage you from the gifts of the Spirit to keep you from the Word, to try to uh, get you upset with others so that you aren't being used. Because he knows that he can't defeat you head on, so he tries to starve you and cut you off. But if you're willing to start walking, the enemy will start fleeing. If we're ready to go forward in faith, the enemy will start running. But it takes someone taking those first steps uh, James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now resist, we said before, it doesn't mean just, oh, you know, when you're trying to pick a child up. Oh. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean flail around and flop around and struggle like resisting arrest. No. <laughs> or res <laughs> or trying to resist that last piece of pie. It means to set against, to oppose, to withstand, to rise up against. And in this leper story, them just starting to walk toward the enemy was them resisting. I'm not going to die quietly. I'm going to take this step of faith. And when we do that, the enemy flees. When we resist, when we stand up, when we oppose him, he has no choice but to take off running because he's a coward in the first place. He doesn't want to fight you. He wants to cut you off so you, you're separated from the things that you need. He wants to cut you off from God. He says, he can't fight you. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. You don't need to be afraid. All we need to do is start taking those steps of faith and he's, see you later. <laughs> when we do that, the enemy, he flees. And so these lepers, they get to the camp and it's completely deserted. They left their tents, they left their horses, their donkeys, their food, their supplies, all of the stuff that they had. And God provided everything that these men needed when they decided to go forward in faith. You see, God has everything we need, but sometimes he doesn't provide it until we're willing to take that step of faith. Amen. They weren't very far off and everything they needed was right there. But they didn't get it until they started walking in faith. If we are willing to just stay in the same place and wither away, that will happen. But if we're willing to start walking, if we're willing to start going forward, he's got what we need. 2 Kings 7 and 8. 
And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. All right, Julia. And came again and entered into another tent and carried thence and went and hid it. So they came to the camp. And they go into one tent and there's food. They haven't had food in a while. And they go into another tent and there's, there's gold and silver and clothes and there's food and drink and all of these things, all the things that they could ever want or need because they were willing to go forward in faith. But look what happens. Verse um, 9 to 16, the rest of the story. It says, and they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. They say, this is, a, this is a good day. Good things are happening. If we don't tell anyone, something bad is going to happen. So they came and they called to the porter of the city and they told him, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians. Behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and donkeys tied and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, the people that were manning the gates, and told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. And therefore they've gone into the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come into the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. So the king, he's a bit of a coward. He's like, no, it's a trick. I don't believe it. The enemy's still there. Some of us can be like that, afraid to take that step because, oh, I don't know, maybe the enemy's still there. Where was I? Okay. Verse 13. And one of his servants answered and said, let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain and that are left in the city. And behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of Israel that are consumed. And let us send and see. And they took, therefore, two chariot horses. And the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. So he sent some people to see. And they went after them into Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. They went to the city, these lepers, and they told the people, and they shared in the blessing together. It took a little while for everyone else to get on board, but they all joined in and they shared the blessing together. When we take a step in faith and God comes through, it's not just for me, it's not just for you. God's blessings and God's gifts and God's provisions are meant to be shared. He doesn't just give someone the, interpret uh, the gift of the interpretation of tongues, for example, not to be used. He doesn't give someone the gift of prophecy just to write things down in a journal somewhere and not share it. Or faith or healing or whatever you want to, whatever gift it is. The whole point 
just to share. When we step out and we go forward in faith, it's not just for us. God wants to use us to bless the body. Even if maybe you've been shunned by the body, like these lepers were. God used these lepers to bless the rest of Israel. These were the guys that the rest of Israel said, you're not good enough for us. You have to go somewhere else. But God used them to bless. There's a verse I was going to read at the beginning of the service, but I didn't. First Timothy, it says, stir up the gift that is in you. Second Timothy. Stir up the gift that is in you. God's put gifts in us when we receive the Spirit. And a lot of times we, we're a little afraid to use them. We're a little afraid to, to share those gifts with others. But I wonder if we could take a step in faith going forward and let God use us. Even if maybe you feel like you've been shunned or cut off like these lepers were. God used them. Now they were like, you know what? We should probably just keep all this because everyone else has treated us like outcast. Everyone else has treated us poorly. But no, they said, you know what? This isn't good for us to keep all this to ourselves. These people, they need it too. Verse 18 says, And when it came to pass, it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow at this time in the gate of Samaria. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken. Everything happened just as Elisha said it would, just like the prophet said it would. But the way it happened was a handful of outcasts got fed up with the way things were, and they said, We can stay here and die. Or we can go forward and maybe live. And four men decided to go forward in faith and decided to take a step. And God used them to fulfill the word of God. And we like prophecy. We like when it happens. We like hearing it and dreaming about all the great things that are going to happen. And the revival that's going to take place. And uh, all the people are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And God's going to use this church to do incredible things. And we love to hear that. And when guest speakers come, whenever they're allowed to come, and they come and they say things, we're like, yes, that's great, wonderful, I love it, yes. And then we just kind of push it aside and never do anything with it. We love to hear the prophecy. We like to hear that God's going to use this church and bless this church and revival and all that stuff because it sounds good and sometimes it might sound a little too good to be true like when Elisha made that prophecy that day. Flour and barley being cheap and available during a famine but the only way these prophecies will come to pass is if someone is willing to take a step and go forward in faith. Someone needs to be willing to say I'm tired of the way things are. If we really want to see all the things happen, if we really want to see God pour out His Spirit, there needs to be people here that need to receive it. For one, we need to have people here that are going to repent and receive the Spirit. Or it's not going to happen as much as we want it to. 
We need to create an atmosphere for these things to happen. We need to invite people. We need to use our, our gifts and our friendships and all that stuff and bring people that need to receive it. If we want, if we want you know, God to use this church, we need to take a step forward and let God use us. Instead of waiting for someone else to step forward. The prophecies are great and all, but they don't come to pass unless someone, for these types anyway, unless someone's willing to do it. God's not going to use a church if no one's willing to be used, and no one's willing to step. He's not going to lead us if we're not willing to walk. The way these come to pass is if someone is willing to take a step forward in faith, someone willing to say, I'm tired of the way things are. If we stay here, we're going to die. Let's go and see what happens. But until someone is willing to take that step, until someone is willing to start walking, the prophecies, the word from God, all these things are waiting to happen and will not. They will just sit there until someone is willing to do it. Faith without works is dead. God is leading your steps. If you're trusting Him, if you're following Him, He's leading your steps, so start walking. Go forward. Start pressing. It seems to be a theme lately. It seems to be the way it happens. So either I'm just hammering at this or God's trying to tell us something. We need to go for, further, farther, whichever one you want to use. We need to go forward. Take that step because you taking that step may be the answer to someone's prayer. Those four guys, they answer the prayer of everyone in that city by stepping forward. Sometimes we make faith into this great big mystery, and it's only for, you know, the big names preach millions of people receive the Holy Ghost, the Crusades, and all that. It's only for those people, it's only for the evangelists. Some of us may struggle with the faith part a bit comes more naturally to others, I think, but you can all be faithful. You may not understand everything. You may not know everything. You may not, I don't know, know what's going to happen, whatever. You don't anyway with faith, but we can all be faithful and faithfully continue to walk with Jesus. You walk one step at a time. I know. You walk one step at a time. But unless we take that step, we're not going anywhere. Don't mean to be a downer. Let's stand.